Well, hi and uh, welcome to the People Podcast. This is uh, Ryan Croxford, the Senior Leader of C3 People. And uh, it's good to have you with us listening on. But uh, today's very special guest. I've got Daniel McMahon with me. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Ryan. How are you? Good to have you with me, bud. Thank you. Hey, uh, you and your wife, Laura, I've got to say, you're kind of famous in our context, in our C3 movement. It's like, who doesn't know you guys? A little bit. In fact, I'm looking at this magazine right now. This is us. And your wife, you did this. She did. She's uh, <clears throat> extremely talented, very blessed in, I guess, the creativity and, and just how her, you know, headspace works. And, and, you know, she had a massive career in the PR industry, yeah. uh, fashion industry. Uh, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the magazines knew who she was. Uh, she did New, uh, New York Fashion Week and... A lot of those things. Yeah. And, um, you know, she's come out of that world and come into the church world and, and you know, run uh, run some of the biggest events for C3 uh, Australia, which has been great. And, uh, yeah, she's recently done this magazine, but it's just everything, cool. her whole, who she is, uh, is just sort of flowed through that with some other amazing people, um, you know, that put the magazine together. And, yeah, it's amazing what, what they've done. Very cool. Yeah, you guys have definitely uh, you're very loved and well-known in our, in our movement, the C3 movement. Um, firstly, you're a new dad. <coughs> I am. A uh, new dad of... Uh, he's, well, Axel is now... Axel Bear, isn't Axel it? Axel Bear. Yeah, I like yeah. It. Axel Bear. So we... It's Welcome kind to of, the boy club. <laughs> Welcome to the boy club, yeah. So we chose the name Axel based off, uh, which means uh, father of peace. So that's where what Axel means in the Bible. And um, funny enough, Bear was a, a name that I, I, for some reason, really wanted a, a blokey boy. Yeah. And um, when he came out, he, he started grunting, uh, which is hilarious. <laughs> and the midwife's like, he's really? like a little bear. And, oh, and I just went, life. Yeah, I was just like, I can't believe you said that because that's what we, we had these two names chosen. Yeah. And uh, when she said he sounds like a little bear and when you looked at him, he was this, uh, he was like, eight pound eight and he came out 51 centimeters and he was just a stocky little little footballer like a a little nugget um so yeah so that it all worked together not surprised with your western sydney roots that's it ready ready for rugby league (laughs) that's it that's how we're born and bred out there it's like (laughs) just that's it if you don't if you don't play football i don't know what you do oh that's true um and you've got a beautiful daughter as well, Zariah. Yes, Zariah. She's got to be the cutest little cupcake, I think. Just about, like, oh my gosh. Yes. You, you make beautiful children. Well, I, I married a beautiful, very beautiful looking uh, lady, so... <laughs> that does help. Uh, it, it helps tremendously. You're not uh, bad yourself, though, Dan. Oh, you know, all right. You know, <laughs> no. It's all, all my wife's look, so very, very lucky. All right. Talking about Western Sydney, so that is where you kind of started life, grew up, right? Yeah, so I grew up in, uh, originally grew up in Blacktown. Um, in the it, hood? In the, literally in the hood. That is the the Western Sydney of Western Sydney. Yeah, so grew up uh, grew up in Blacktown, went to Blacktown, uh, Blacktown South, public school, um, there until about, until year five, and then mum and dad moved me um, even though we still lived in Blacktown at that, that point, they, they transferred me to Penrith Christian Community School. Um, so we used to travel out there every single day. Come um, on. I remember competing against them. I went to Nepean Christian. Oh, there you go. We definitely would have competed. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it was a very athletic uh, school. I wasn't athletic. I was a fat little... 
kid who just liked eating lots of food. You were fat. I was fat. I was I was really right, overweight. For, for listeners, we'll take a photo, but there's, there's no <laughs> fat man in front of me. Yeah. I, I really? Yeah, very. I was big. I was a big boy. No way. Yeah, I like just liked eating. So liked eating. <laughs> I liked eating. <laughs> was that Man. training for football though? That was uh, the, the no. That, that was just training for Nintendo and, and PlayStation. It was uh, great. You're a gamer. Oh, I'm a gamer. Still am. Letting all. You still? Yeah. I still. I'm a. Yeah. I'll, I'll take anyone out. Letting out all the secrets. Yeah. Yeah. But Fortnite is not a game. I'm just putting it out there. Anyone who plays Fortnite, that's not a game. That's, nah, that's a joke. On. That's just that's fiddling around. Come get, on, let's get let's real. let's do Call of Duty or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That that's for the older children. That's it. Um, um, what was your upbringing like? What was home like? Yeah, home was um, home was great. I mean, in some regards, um, you know, I had uh, a beautiful mum and dad who you know who adopted me uh, as a as a little little boy. I was only I was only nine months old when I actually got adopted. Uh, I was in foster care in the government system, and then at nine months, my parents adopted me. Um, wow. I have a, a brother. He's also adopted from a, a totally different family. He's uh, four years older. Um, but, you know, home life looked great. Had two, two parents that, abs- that sacrificed everything to, to give us everything. Um, they didn't have much uh, themselves when they were growing up. They grew up in good old parks. Uh, if you know where the big dish is in Australia, well, that used to be our family's property before we sold it off to put the satellite. The before the dish. satellite got put on. Oh, there. okay, right, right. So that's that's how remote we were. Uh, Mum and Dad were. Um, so they, you know, they were farmers and they moved out to to Blacktown to try and support the farm and adopted wow. us two children. And look, they gave us everything. And yeah, and then my brother, he's a, he's a minister. So. Um, See it. So yeah. So he's Darren McMahon. Darren McMahon. He's yeah. out there. I think doing school, uh, school, you know, seminars and stuff like that. So yeah. That's it. I know Darren. What What was that like then? Yeah, being adopted. Like, uh, when When did you find out? How did you yeah, come to so know that if you were adopted at nine months, you're obviously not aware. You're not aware, but I think the hardest thing for me is as as a kid. I I looked very different to mum and dad. Uh, I I had blonde hair, blue eyes. My my dad had black hair, brown eyes. My brother also had black hair, brown eyes, and I did not look the same. Mm. Um, so and then it's funny. I used to walk down the street, you know, with mum and dad, and and you know, older people used to say, "Oh, a little German boy," and uh, huh. it was kind of like, oh, "What?" And you just I I knew as a child that something just you know I didn't look like them, and and. And mum and dad, as much as I loved them and mum and dad were my mum and dad, I just knew there was a bit of a... It didn't feel like mum and dad were mum and dad. Uh, it's, a, it's one of the hardest things to to ever say to your parents that, you know, I, I know that you're not my parents, but but to have that feeling as a young child, I knew something was just disconnect within that. Um, and then I remember one day, I think I was around seven years old, I asked my brother, I said, I asked him a specific question because I remember... Uh, I remember the day I, I said, "Is mum and dad my mum and dad?" And wow. and he just looked at me and just froze and started crying. And he just he was four years older and he just said, "If you tell mum and dad this, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you." Um, and he was a big boy, uh, and <laughs> so I was you know big scared. Woman, yeah, yeah. He was a lot bigger than me. And I was I was scared. I was like, okay, I'm not not gonna. You know, not, he, I'm not gonna say anything. Did and he Did he know? So he knew. He knew. Yeah. So. He, he knew that he was adopted. He knew that I was adopted. So he just said, yeah, look. He's probably uh, just trying to protect you, yeah, maybe. 
Yeah, so he, he just said, look, you can't say this to mum and dad. It will, it will destroy him, it will hurt him. And, um, but he said, yeah, Dan, you, you know, you do have another mum and dad. He goes, we don't know about them, but we're blessed. You know, we've got mum and dad, you know, who that we have here. They've taken us on. They've always loved you. They look after you. They're, they're, oh, they're wow. everything. Yeah. So I knew from that age, and it was funny then, fast forward, I think I was almost 15, mum and dad decided they wanted to tell me. I was like, yeah, I already knew this, like when I was, you know, a lot oh, younger mum and dad. I like, knew yeah. what, for like eight years. <laughs> for about eight years, I knew. And it wasn't spoken. It wasn't spoken about. I just, yeah, it, it, I think mum and dad, because I got a little bit more uh, inquisitive, like, what? You know, guys, I, I look different to you guys, and, and uh, I'm taller, and mum's really short. and um, just everything appearances were, were very different and how did you grapple with that as a uh, you did that on your own then yeah it's it's interesting because you don't I think when you're a child you don't really think about it but in the back of your head you know that you're different and I think yeah. the hardest thing is that you know when you're a, a Christian um, if, I guess even if you weren't a Christian you, you, you for me I, I actually felt a lot of things in my head saying you know you're you're not good enough and and that was the thing that was always playing in my head you're not good enough your own parents didn't want you and um and i think that you, was you had that i had that my, my pretty much my whole childhood um even even you know up into adulthood you have that you always feel like you know why did my parents want me why did they give me up um you know i'd see in 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 life i'd go and see you know many uh counselors and stuff like that and uh, one day, I actually, uh, I was recommended a really good counsellor from uh, Mark Hopkins, who's the, uh, the, who runs the Bible college for, uh, for Hillsong, and he sort of recommended me go and see this, this particular, um, you know, counsellor, and I, I met with him, and he just sort of said, look, Dan, just so you know, he goes, you know, young people, anyone that's adopted, he goes, here's the thing, he goes, biologically he goes there's this whole thing and he goes there's all the science behind it and he goes so this is proven data but he goes basically that he goes as a young child there's a certain time period that you're supposed to bond with your mum and he goes and that's where you actually have all your security Mm. in that and he goes but the problem is that you didn't have that yeah and he goes so here you are you're with your mum then you went straight into the government system straight away you then probably bounced around a couple of foster homes until you got adopted so he goes you always have this uh, in a part of you where you're always trying to seek approval you're trying to find approval Whoa. and he goes do you feel that and I said I've felt that my whole life and he goes well that's the problem he goes because that's something that's naturally supposed to happen but he goes unfortunately it doesn't happen didn't happen to you and mm. and he goes and that happens to everyone who's in the same situation as you so he goes you will that's the one thing that you always have to be aware of is that you know, when most people won't don't need to find security in, in certain things, he goes, you will try and always seek approval from people because mm. you you don't have that connection. Um, so yeah, so that was that was something that was kind of interesting. That all those years, I, I struggled with that. Um, mm. You know, mentally and spiritually as a Christian, you know, you become a Christian and you you know you know about Jesus and and all that. And um, so you <coughs> grew up in a Christian home then. Yeah, grew up in a beautiful Christian home. Yeah, um, yeah mum and dad were. Uh, were deacons uh, in a, in the church that we were at. Get that uh, right, deacons. They were deacons. Yeah, not not the other one. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were, <laughs> <laughs> they were deacons. Um, they were deacons, and they yeah. also ran. Uh, what was it? It was called King's Commandos, which is a little bit like Scouts. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. So mum and dad ran that, and um, you know they were heavily involved in church, and they also ran uh, where they had like the youth group on a Friday night. Mum and dad ran the canteen on a Friday night. 
Um, so they were heavily involved, made sure us two kids were at church. And yeah, so grew up in a very uh, Christian household. You know, we had, yeah, certain boundaries, certain things that we could do, could not definitely do. So yeah. Yeah. Good parents. Great parents. Absolutely. Yeah. What did you, being, being that, that, yeah, being an adopted child, what did you dream about as a kid then? Like of becoming, what was your... I thought. I think it's hard. I think as a as a as an adopted child, you you're just trying to. For me, it was always, you know, questions in the back of my mind: Will I ever be good enough? You know, why will someone pick me? Why will I? You know, I, I think that was something that just plagued me for many years. Um, wow. You know, and and it's it's interesting that you get you get to a certain age in life, and then you when you actually do express yourself and you talk to certain people about it who are adopted as well, they've actually gone through the same thing. Wow. Um, you know, and these are Christians and non Christian people. They've actually said, you know, I, I had the same fear, I had the same you know anxieties as, as probably what you had. Um, so, you know, for me, it was not necessarily you know, I want to be a certain thing. It was like, am I going to be good enough to be that? Wow. Um, so that was, yeah, that's unfortunately the, the sadder thing that, that plagues you as a, as a, as a young developing mind and, and someone who's grown into life. Yeah. What, uh, being a Christian home, when did you, or what role did God play in your life in terms of helping to form that identity? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. So I, you know, grew uh very strong Christian household. Um, had a had a really good uh you know great upbringing. Was in youth group and everything like that, and you know just doing the motions of life and all that. I mean, I, I got to a certain age where there was a little bit of a hiccup. Um, that happened. I was, believe it or not, kicked out of uh, youth group. Um, <laughs> it's like, what? That doesn't happen. Um, yeah, I was, I was, you know, look, there was something that was, unfortunately, it was said that I did something and, you know, to uh, to this day, did not happen, never did it. Um, but it was, it was just sort of a misunderstanding and it was like, I was not there, that did not happen, that person was not there. But um, anyway, I... I was basically sort of told to, you know, look, it might be a season that you need to step out of youth group. And I stepped out of youth group and I didn't have the maturity at the time to, to sort of take that on properly. And, and as a... Well, I mean, that's difficult. Well, yeah, I think, you know, I, I just think I, you know, I some regards I wish I had a little bit more maturity about myself at the time, but look, I was young. Yeah. Um, and then what happened as a, as a side effect is, you know, I was sort of out there lost you know everything that I knew which was church youth group my friendships I had friendships that turned around and were starting to believe the rumours that that happened and a lot of these people started disconnecting themselves with me because they were like I can't believe Dan did that and it was like that didn't happen Mm. Um, but as a result I started going out there seeking you know you know I sort of like well well, who am I what am I you know Mm. and and, you know I thought you know everyone was supposed to be around me and supposed to love me and, and, and all this and so I started going out there sort of seeking for different answers and, and, and all that, just trying to find friendships group. And as a result, I took a very different path in life. Um, I ended up working in clubs for about six years. Um, huh. So I did that five, six times nights a week. I worked for a promotion company and my job was basically to go out and, you know, get alcohol uh, introduced in clubs and, 
uh, you know, walk around with, you know, uh, a half a dozen girls and, you know, promote alcohol companies or cigarette companies or whatever. And Wow. Uh, yeah. So that, that was kind of an interesting era, you know. Were, were you good at it? <laughs> <laughs> I must have been. They paid me uh, quite, quite a lot to keep doing it uh, night after night. So, um, oh, my gosh, that would have been... Uh, it was crazy. Let's say confronting that a, di- a very different uh, yeah. kind of environment for someone to live in. How did that impact you? Yeah, look, at, at first it was a bit of a shock. You know, it was everything that I was taught not to associate myself with. It was sort of like, okay, what's going on here? But then what was interesting is I started finding uh, instant friendships. I started finding, um, you know, I just, I don't know, I just stopped necessarily judging myself and, and things like that and just mm. was a little bit more more open to, to I guess, what life had to offer. Mm. Um, the only problem is, I guess, when life went on, you know, and working in clubs, I started, you know, people wanted to be who I was because, you know, look, I was at that time, uh, you know, companies would pay me, funny enough, to basically walk around my shirt off and stuff like that and, and you know, in beach parties and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I'd have a lot of young people sort of look at me like, oh, that guy's cool and, and I want to be like that guy. And mm. But what was interesting is the years went on, I started going, well, this is just, this is a joke. You know, I, I wanted to be these people and now all of a sudden these people want to be me and, and I'm not necessarily happy in my own skin. Wow. And so you had this appearance of being this cool... Absolutely. ...cavalier kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, but inside not. Inside, but, inside, totally different. Um, it it was just so mixed. I mean, here I am in the in the you know I could walk into any top club in Australia and they would walk me through the door straight away. Wouldn't even have to stand in line. I never had to pay for a drink. Um, you know, all these companies would just basically say you know tabs on on us, mate. You know, just you know, wow, just be here. You're kind of like Insta famous before it was. Uh, yeah, Instagram. yeah, <laughs> yeah, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Where, where were you back then? Um, but yeah, it was so it was really interesting. I got to this stage in life where I'm just sitting there going, Okay, I'm I'm working in these clubs, I'm you know, doing my wherever I was serving drinks or whatever it may have been and and I remember I'd had these people looking at me and always say comments like, Oh, I wish I could be like you and I wish I could be like this and I'm sitting there going just started it got to a point where I started staring and, and looking at people, really watching what they were doing and, and listening to their conversations and what people, you know, we're talking about and I started realizing that hang on all these people are also seeking they're also a lot of these people are, are in these this situation these clubs are drinking heavily or they're doing drugs um and it was out of they were trying to replace the same thing that I had which was a void um and it got to it sort of got to a point for me that I remember I I I, uh, I questioned God and I had a conversation and I was like, all right, God, if you're real, I need you to reveal yourself to me. And, and I knew I needed to get back into church, but I, I literally felt, I, I felt offended, um, you know, to, to go to church. I sort of, it wasn't like just the church that I was previously at. Yeah. And I knew of a, a funny enough, a, a radio host, uh, I knew of this guy, um, gave him a call and just said, look, I heard that you go to church. And he's like, yeah, I, I go to church. And, and I said, could I, go to, could I, could I, can I go to church with you? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And funny enough, I went to that church. Um, we're in there and I'm just sort of like, okay, this is cool. This is totally, it's massive, it's big, it's um, very different to what I was used to. And, and we're in there and, and I remember the, the, the minister actually stopped and said, you know, he said, there's someone in here, you've, 
you got to put he goes you've got you know fractured ribs and I actually had a surfing in, incident and he's like you've got fractured ribs he goes I want you to put your hand on your on, on your chest and he goes your fractured ribs are going to be hurt and he said you've also got nightmares about this and there are about three or four different things that this minister said. And I'm standing there going, there's no way this guy's talking to me. Like, there was thousands of people in this auditorium. And yeah. and I put my hand on my chest and, I, and then the prayer was over and they got back in the, you know, the praise and worship. And I took my hand off my chest and it was just like, it was nuts. It was like my whole chest was red except for where the hand was actually on. Yeah. And I remember I turned to this DJ guy and I was like, mate, are you looking at this? And he was just even sitting there going, what is going on with your chest? And and yeah. and I just said, my, my I could, I can actually breathe and I'm not in pain and and um, so you got healed in that I got healed in that moment and then what was interesting is in that week because I was still like okay I'm kind of convinced God's real and and God you know loves me and and, but in that week I remember there was these random people that just walked up to me in the middle of the street I didn't know who they were and this these people were saying things that no one knew about me. They were the most private things that I had in you know you know in my own I guess private time you know my own headspace that these people were saying you've been thinking this you've been blah 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 but God's saying this about you and I was like what and just I've oh, never unreal. met these people before on the street. That's nuts. And then all of a sudden they would just stop and then they just look at me with a blank stare and and I was like did you just say this? And people were like, I never said that to you. And I was like, you just said this to me. And people were like, I never spoke to you about anything. And I was like, man, this is a bit weird. This is a bit trippy. <laughs> but I, I remember I just, yeah, I had two of those experiences and I just went, okay, all right, God, you, you, you're real. So God you're revealed proved, himself. Totally to revealed himself. And, yeah. and I think that's the, uh, I think the biggest thing is sometimes, you know, as, as Christians, we doubt, is God actually there? Is God actually listening? Yeah. Um, and I, and I think, my thing I've always said to the people from that moment on is, look, if, you, if you're if you really sitting on the edge of the fence or if you honestly don't believe that God's there, then, you know, uh, say to God, okay, you know, I, I'll do whatever it's going to, you know, if you if you stand out, God, and you show me everything, you know, reveal yourself to me, then I'll, I'll run from that moment on. And, wow. and that was the thing I... I I said to God, if you do reveal yourself, then I'm going to pick up the mantelpiece and I'll run. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And, yeah. uh, and, it, and it happened. And yeah, I, um, so life changed for me pretty dramatically. Uh, but, wow. it, but as a result as well, I mean, you know, from that, from that prayer, you know, I started getting in, involved in church. I started uh, getting really good connect group leaders. And um, I started learning how to effectively pray um you know and and it wasn't like going out and reading you know a 10 page essay it was just effectively praying upon things that i had internally like so for me it was okay you know i always feel like i'm not good enough and it was like god i i I need that to change wow and so i just pray to god and it's and i just you know read a couple of scriptures in the bible and and I'm like, God, you know, you, you, it says that, you know, if I come before you and, and you know, if God, you, if you can move them, you know, if you can move mountains, then God, I, I need this to be taken away from me. So I used to just pray every single day, like, God, I just want to feel your love. I just want to feel your acceptance. I don't want to have to feel the acceptance of anyone else in my life. I just need you. That's I, incredible. And what was interesting is that it didn't instantly happen, but it happened gradually yeah. where I started realizing it was, it was kind of interesting that one day I actually just 
I kind of felt like I didn't need to, you know, where normally you'd sort of go, oh, should I call that person? I should go and see that person and, and mm. have a conversation with them because you'd feel a little bit better about yourself. I just started going, I don't need to talk to that person. I don't need to do that. I feel good. I feel great. Mm. And I actually started noticing on my life that where I would always go and seek man's approval, I, it just stopped. It was just like, hang on, I, I'm, I'm now okay. It's like, I, I've got God. I, I know what God thinks about me. Remarkable. Um, and so, you know, and it's kind of interesting is that, you know, if someone ever said anything about me previously in the past, I used to, I'd always try and fix it. Like, oh, I can't believe they said that about me because of that, that sense of rejection. Mm. Um, where now if someone says something against me, I'm like, well, that's okay because I know what I did before God. And I yeah. know that I didn't do that or I know I didn't say that. So that's mm. okay if that person wants to think that. Um, I'll pray for that person. I'll pray for that circumstance. But that's okay. I'm not going to let it rob me of, of anything. So... Yeah. That's extraordinary. Yeah. So you, the way that I would say that is you, you literally started a relationship with God where there was a conversation happening. 100%. Yeah. Um, that ended up changing your life around. Um, yeah. And, and that identity thing that would have been so big growing up, struggling with that and then seeking it out in the world as you did. Yeah. That would have been quite a moment. Yeah. And I think, I think... A lot of young people, they're you know they're gonna go through challenges uh, being a Christian. Full stop. Like yeah. even if you don't have the the adoption thing, I think all young yeah. people are gonna be out there and everyone's um, gonna grapple that, right? Yeah, every single Christian, uh, and and I, even from a very very young age. Like I heard of a, a young kid the other day who's like probably four years old, and and you know recently went away on a family holiday, and that little boy was playing with another kid, and the other kid asked the question of, you know, is is God really real? And, you know, that little boy sort of went and spoke to his mum and dad, like, mum, is that, you know, is God real? And and that happened from a four-year-old. Um, but we're all going to face that battle in life of, you know, the questions and, and all that. And I think... That's amazing. I think the the biggest thing is is this for all young Christians that are trying to discover God and, and all the questions that are going to come against them is is that... You just got to be still. You got to know that God is God. Mm. And here's the thing that I learned all my years of in clubs, all my years of everything that I've ever done. And there's a lot of things I wish I never did. But the world out there looks at Christians and they always ask the question and they're always trying to get you to do what they want to do is because what they're trying to do is this is why I just I unravel is what they're trying to do is they're trying to make themselves feel good about what they're doing in life. Mm. And the world can't handle the fact that Christians are so different because the reality is as young people, if when you are out there and you are being a Christian and you're just doing what you know, what you know to do, what's in the Bible and, and, and what you feel in your heart and what you feel in your spirit, because that's what the Holy Spirit's there to, you know, is guiding you on. Yeah. The world can't handle that because they see something that you have and and what they're going to do is they're going to question absolutely everything. And I think the biggest thing for us as, as, you know, as young people is just know that, you know, that there's people that have gone before you and we've all been there. We've all got our struggles. But I can tell you now that the God thing is definitely real. Right. Um, the world wants what you have. And we've got to change the psychology in our headspace of sort of thinking, well, I need what they have. It's like, no, no, no. The world actually wants what we have. And that's yeah, why they're trying to rob us of God, that. God hole. Yeah. yeah. The, the thing 
that I'm interested in knowing about is obviously finding God, but then you, you, you entered back into church life. And oftentimes, you know, we say, oh, you know, we even go sometimes seeking God in church. But really, for me, what church is like, it's people, right? It's, yeah. It's friendships. What, what are some of the, were there people in the church that specifically had an impact or a role yeah, playing in your life? Would, would you identify it as individuals? Yeah within the church yeah so I was um, I was quite for, uh, fortunate I had a guy called uh, George Danzy uh, George Danzy is actually I think now he's the chaplain for uh, Parramatta Eels oh yeah um, so he was my original connect group leader and it was kind of funny because I was in a connect group where I was the only white guy I was all Samoans and Tongans and Filipinos and I was the only white guy <laughs> um, and, and it was great. I, they, these guys just absolutely embraced me and, and, and loved on me. Um, they were the original guys that, that just, you know, you know, smacked me around at the back of the head and like, you know, what are you doing, Daniel? You can't do that and you can't say that. And, you know, and it's it was... unhelpful. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it was, yeah. it was great. I really needed that. And then after that, um, you know, those guys were great, but I, I started getting into surfing and stuff like that. And um, then I, I met with a guy called... Uh, uh, Gus or Guy only. He was my in my next connect group leader. Guy. Yeah. yeah. So um, and he was very instrumental. Like it just, I think for about three years, he just uh, he took me under his wing and just really was you know just spoken in my life and and you know same. He had a he had a little bit of a past probably not as wild as mine, but uh, you know he was a he was a bigger bloke that I sort of really respected as an older brother and. Um, you know, he'd just pray over me and if, if there was something... Took you in. Yeah, he just took me in and, you know, so there was... If I had to look at my, my whole Christian walk, those two guys were probably the most instrumental uh, people. Um, so, yeah, so very grateful for those guys. Absolutely. I mean, it is. It's a, that church to me is just people that are centred or focusing on a, a relationship with the Lord, but the, that is loving, caring, encouraging one another. That's That's what's beautiful about it. I mean... How incredible to take you from through your whole life through struggling with identity to land in that position where you really found yourself in God, found relationship. But the thing that I know, and obviously as we go further down the track, you did, you found a beautiful wife. Absolutely. Um, and uh, that's a big part of your purpose in life, isn't it? That yeah, it can, huge. It can take you in all kinds of different directions. It's huge. And, and she was, um, you know, before Laura even allowed me to go on a date with her I had to chase her for a year and, and she was like you need to be in a connect group and then you need to be a connect group leader like she put she put the cement down is that things. right she was like and it was it was kind of interesting like Laura was like you know I understand you've got a lot of friends that are females well that's not going to happen like and and she really put a foot down and um but then funny enough is like yes we started dating and then we fell in love and you know and and all that but Laura's been as a husband and wife couple I mean Laura's been so instrumental in so many things is that Laura's actually been the one that you know she's in my corner she was always praying she always knows that you know what's going on in my life what I'm thinking and that's that's the thing as a husband and wife team is that she's the one that you know so many times fills the gaps and and um you know there's times and there's seasons where whether it be through work or through health you're sort of just battling things and and it's amazing to have a wife that that is in the background, you know, just sort of going, it's okay, we've got this yeah. and, and, and we're going to pray over this. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I absolutely love having, a, you know, one, a beautiful wife, but a, a beautiful, 
uh, spirit-filled wife who just loves God and loves the house and loves people and um, you know it's I think that's pretty important so so good I mean you, you, that, that's that's uh, marriage that covenant commitment that says you know through the good times and the bad times we stand together and sometimes it's it's more than just uh, desire and feelings and and uh, it, it's that commitment to yep. to come alongside each other and I would say that from from both of you um, that you are you're a wonderful team I mean from from there you did God bringing you together you obviously went on a journey and to where you ended up running big Christian conferences sure yeah sure <laughs> did. some of the biggest <laughs> um, and um, did, did incredible things and still are it's quite remarkable yeah thanks um, yeah. but I think look I think in, in, in the essence of things you know especially in marriages that I think, you know, some people who are sitting in church and looking at, you know, we get people looking at Laura and myself and they all, you know, sometimes we're bumping at people and people go, I wish I could do what you guys are doing and mm. and all this type of stuff. And it's like, look, we, I served for 10 years, like just served mm. uh, before I always, I was even offered to, to go on staff at, um, down at Oxford Falls, but I literally did the car park for about three years. Like I was the car park guy uh, park, where it yeah. rained, it hailed, whatever. I was a guy in car park. I was the guy stacking chairs. I was the guy doing the offering baskets. I was the guy doing... Um, so, you know, but what we understood was this, is that, you know, there's going to be up and down moments within the church. And, mm. you know, sometimes people will offend us and sometimes we'll go right. through seasons and all that. But People will do that. People will do that. <laughs> but we... The I think the core thing for us was that no matter what, no matter what's going going on, that we're going to build this house, and yeah. and that was always the biggest thing for us. It was like you know we we don't want to be someone who's sitting there and it's going to look back in ten years time and go I wish I did this and I wish I, you know I I should have done that. It was like no no we're just going to keep committing to the house regardless of what our own personal circumstances are, whatever you know whatever's happening in the world. It didn't matter. We were going to build the house because you know we were basically building a seed for what was going to happen in the future for one day when we had children and here we are uh now with a three-year-old and you know, like a 10 10 day old child and you know it's great you know just to know that these kids are going to have a, a beautiful upbringing in the house yeah oh damn it's been so good to hear your story and thank you everyone for listening in and i look forward to hearing uh our next story whatever it might be and whoever it might be. But thank you, Daniel. Oh, thank you. Thanks for everyone listening. I hope that was good.